Merry Christmas. My name is Brad Watson, and this is the Saturate Podcast's Advent devotional called Preparing Room. This is a 25-day reflective journey through the themes of Advent, as well as the themes of being the people God called us to be, so I hope that you will enjoy it. In addition to this devotional, we also have resources on Advent that I'd love for you to check out at saturatetheworld.com. One is the Advent Community Guide, which will help you have engaging conversations throughout this season as your community gets together. There's also crafts and coloring sheets for children, as well as alternative ways to use it with your children and family gatherings. So it's a great resource just to use with families as well. Also, we have a holiday missional community planning guide that will help leaders engage and plan for this season so that people will grow in your community in their love for God during this season, their love for one another in this season, and their love for their neighbor this season. So make sure you check both of those out. And with that, let's engage today's reflection. How the long-expected Jesus came. How does the King come? We know He comes to change the world. We know He was born into our world. But how does Jesus come? In what manner, what posture, what practice of Jesus' incarnation? How does He come? Returning to Mark's description of Jesus' arrival in Mark 1, right after the description that Jesus came into Galilee, we hear that he came proclaiming the gospel of God. To the collective humanity, he comes proclaiming the gospel of God. See, Jesus doesn't just come, he comes speaking, he comes announcing In fact, the meaning of this word proclaiming and the the verb and the way it's used gives the sense that he was saying this over and over again. He didn't come just saying this speech. He came talking about it all the time. This was, this gospel of God was his stump speech on the trail of global reconciliation. It was the topic at every meal. It was in his casual conversation. Mark writes that Jesus continued to talk about the gospel of God. If you walked around with Jesus, that's what you heard. Now, what is the gospel of God? The word gospel simply means important heralded news. Perhaps most commonly used as the message shared by messengers or evangelists coming from the battlefield to update the villages and towns within the kingdom. The king has won, they would say, and defeated the enemy. All is well and the war is over and we now enter peace. That was the typical gospel message. A gospel is a newsworthy historical event that must be and is shared. But not only is it breaking news, it's news that changes the lives of the people the news is intended for. That when the people in the villages heard the message about the war being won or the battle being fought, it changed them. That who the news was for, it changed their circumstances, it changed their world, whether they heard it or not. If you miss the announcement in the city square, the realities of the announcement still affected you. And throughout history, there were many gospel proclamations of empire expansion, 
of empire decrease, of governments falling, of new kings rising to power, new emperors taking hold, uh, empires dividing. And each time, the news required a response and brought a change of life, of worldview, of reality. But Jesus doesn't come proclaiming the gospel of Caesar or Alexander the Great. He comes proclaiming a gospel of God. See, he, he isn't the messenger that speaks on behalf of a higher power or a, on behalf of a distant general. He's not just speaking on behalf of God as priests and prophets do. He's announcing the arrival of God's victory that transforms the reality of the community he's entering into. Jesus is proclaiming the news that God has come to us to defeat the kingdoms of sin, death, and evil and bring his kingdom of grace, resurrection, and justice. Now, before we move on, this is important. Jesus is not making a promise. He's making an announcement with ramifications for everyone. This announcement proclaims God's character, his timing, and his coming to us. And it, and it is, it's good news for us, but it is a proclamation about God. It's an announcement about him. The gospel of God declares his glory, his fame, his love, his actions taken through his character and through his power on behalf of his children. The gospel is not about humanity or our sin or evil or death. It's about God and his unrelenting and just love. And then he moves on to describe that gospel. The contents of which are, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. This first phrase, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, is good news about God. And and Jesus' ongoing proclamation is this, the story has reached its climax. It's not get ready, it's not wait and see, because it's here. The time is fulfilled. All human history has been leading to this point. Every prophecy, every longing heart, every promise. The time, Jesus said, is now. Jesus didn't just arrive to teach us how to live. He didn't come explaining the power of love. Jesus' arrival is the beginning of the renewal and the redemption of all things. The time is now. The kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God is where God's rule and reign is uncontested. The kingdom of God is where every wrong thing becomes right. See, the Bible in its opening lines describes a world created by God, with God, for God, and for a thriving humanity enjoying the fruit of an incredible creator who knows his creation and his creation knows him. All of this is to God's fame and to his glory. Humans were in love with one another and given purpose and fulfillment and deep community with one another in addition to this unity with God. And in that framework, this cry for rescue is inconceivable in the opening pages of the Bible. But then everything spirals out of control. And from chapter 3, where humans rebel against God onward, humanity collectively cries out for rescue. 
and, and tries to rescue itself through power and control and any other attempt to find comfort at the cost of others. The perils of humanity in our rescuing need is described in the Bible as, as a need for liberation from sin and from death and from evil, or the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and the product of sin. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, he's describing the rescue mission that has begun in his arrival and is going to be reaching into the depths of humanity's greatest challenge. The kingdom is where his rule and his reign is uncontested. His kingdom is the thriving world he created that knows and dwells within him. The law of his kingdom is hope and peace and grace and love. And all evil is banished from it and the presence of God reigns. Sin is dealt with. So the the refrain of Jesus' constant proclamation of the good news about God is this, that that kingdom of God has reached into our world. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's as if Jesus reminds us of the often utilized image in poetry in the Old Testament that says, Yahweh's arm is not too short to save. In this moment and in the incarnation, we can see that that promise has been made true as God reaches into our story. As God's arm is actually physically extended as Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. But also when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, he's noting his very presence, that the kingdom of God has arrived so close that you can touch it, that the peace of God is within your arm's reach, that the word of God has become flesh, for unto you a child has been born, a son has been given. Peace is not an idea anymore. It's a gift of the good king who has arrived. Jesus proclaims the gospel of God. He's come to restore what was lost through sin. He's come to make a way and to be the way toward redemption. On the cross, the hand of the kingdom that is reaching into the world is the hand that was pierced for our sin. To restore the human heart by reaching into it. Dealing with the power of sin. He's announcing the coming defeat of sin and the renewal of humanity. Jesus comes. How does the king come? He comes announcing his kingdom. Described in the prophets and in the garden in Genesis. He's announcing the reign of peace. How does your life proclaim the gospel of God? See, see, let's not miss the implication of the incarnation of Jesus and our calling to display the gospel. How does the kingdom of peace get extended in our neighborhoods, our towns, our cities? Do those around us have this sense and have this understanding that the kingdom of God is so close they could touch it? Would those passing us by describe our coming and our going as proclaiming the gospel of God? Are we making note of the fulfilled time, of the good news, of the king returning? How does the incarnation of Jesus inform your life 
as a member of his body in this current age. Wait, before you go, I just want to say a few things about a new resource that's come out recently called The Gospel Basics for Kids. It's an amazing resource that we hope that you'll check out. It's for preschool-aged children, and it guides these kids through discussions and story and music and crafts and illustrations and coloring sheets, all to introduce these young children to the important discipleship uh, realities of gospel, identity, rhythms, and essentially the way that we teach and train and disciple adults, we're doing it for kids because our children are not the disciples of the future. They're the disciples of today. And so go to saturatetheworld.com or amazon.com to learn more about the gospel basics for kids and get your copy. <laughs>